Welcome to the reset, everybody. I know that this podcast is going to be something that is going to be a tool that everybody could utilize. I know that we're going to be able to provide a lot of people with information, information that they may have been praying to get, information that they thought that they didn't need to have. But because you guys are so anointed with your own capabilities and the fact that you guys have been blessed with so many things um, that's beneficial for everyone, you're able to share your gifts with hopefully Maybe if it's not even a million people, it's one person that listens to this podcast and like, man, I can relate to them. I can utilize the information that they're giving me on the everyday basis. And hopefully it just gets them really excited. What do you guys think? Amen. Yes. So um, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we have the first episode of Reset. And what better topic to talk about than mental health awareness when we're thinking about resetting? So my name is Selena Fountain. I'm your host for Reset, where we talk about the hustle, the growth, and the WTF moments of our lives. And I have some amazing friends that decided to be a part of this journey with me and I'll let them introduce themselves. Kat, you want to start off? Oof, okay, pressure, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Well, my name is Kat and I'm a mixed woman who is born and bred from Queens, New York. I'm a content curator, a dot connector, and I am the founder of Black Men Cry 2. And my own personal brand is hashtag bright hair, dark liquor. So both of them embody everything that exudes cat be. Love that. Maxie, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, ma'am. My name is Taylor. Um, I am from Detroit, Michigan, born and raised. Um, I just graduated recently with my Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, so working toward licensure um, to be a licensed clinician in that area. Um, But I'm so thankful that you are doing this and using your platform for something like this. So just thank you once again for allowing us to be here. I'm excited. So let's just go ahead and dive into it, guys. Um, It's Mental Health Awareness Month. And right now is the time where we're able to kind of educate and utilize this month to get as much content out there to our communities for them to better be aware of mental health and awareness. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't grow up where people talked about mental health awareness. If anything, I heard mm-hmm. things like, man, that's out of your family's crazy or mm-hmm. just like those terms of, mm-hmm. you know, you just got issues, right? But I never really knew what mental health awareness was. But like as Black people, it's almost like you can't even talk about mental health awareness without right. it being some type of stigma or situation associated with it. So what has you what has um each of your personal mental health journey been like let's start there as we're talking about mental health awareness 
what has your personal mental health journey been like? So same to you, honestly, um, that growing up, that's all I remember was I didn't, I didn't know about therapy. I didn't know about mental health, like even in schools, that wasn't something that was discussed. And then at home, that wasn't something either. Um, so the same kind of mm-hmm. concepts, my family said the same thing, like, oh, they crazy, but um, stuff like that, the terms of depression, anxiety, all that was never mentioned. Um, and it was also, I hate to even bring it up, but the fact that like, you know, how some parents are like, oh, you got a roof over your head, we paying the bills, what you sat for, like stuff like that. It's just very kind of looking back at it, toxic as a child to hear things like that. Um, but definitely it wasn't something that was just a conversation Uh, that was held, which is kind of disheartening. But I think a lot of us can really relate to that, not having that kind of exposure as a child and then growing up and having the same kind of things in our minds. So of course, when we do hear things like mental health as an adult, we are kind of reluctant to even look more into it, just knowing how we grew up, um, or at least that was the case for me. Um, But it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe like after high school and college, I remember at TSU, they did have like counseling services and things like that. But I was like, what? What is this? Like, (laughs) I never heard of anything like that. So I didn't take heed of that until kind of after doing my own research about mental health and realizing that it is okay to have feelings or to be sad or have worries, anxiety, kind of all that. Um, But growing up, that was really the journey until as an adult, I kind of made my own decisions and formulated my own opinions. That's amazing. I love that. And if you guys didn't know, me and Taylor are extremely close. This is my soror, my (laughs) sister, and we went to Tennessee State University together, the greatest HBCU. (laughs) So um, just had to drop that in there as well. Yes, Um, ma'am. Kat, what about you? Tell us about your personal mental health journey. What has that been like for you? Any similarities there? Hella similarities, um, (laughs) but some key elements that were just a little different for me. Uh, It seems like the Black culture overall, doesn't matter if you're Black American, African American, or Caribbean American, you all sort of grow up that same way. Like it's a stigma, it's taboo, the whole roof over your head, what you crying for, what you mad for. Like you just hurt my feelings. That's why I'm crying. (laughs) Like that was mean what you just did. That's why I'm crying, but uh, that has definitely been a part of my upbringing. But for myself, it's also generational trauma came through, um, cultural differences definitely peaked through with my upbringing, which led to my mental health journey and the personal events that happened in my life that really shifted and changed me without me realizing it and taking a step into creating the platforms that I create and being such an advocate and speaking openly and freely about it is when I was 14, I was a freshman in high school and I lost my best friend to suicide. And we were on the phone the night that it happened and I didn't see any of the signs. We were talking freely and laughing. And then I woke up to a missed call by him and I accidentally had my phone on silent. And when I woke up, I heard this like beautiful voicemail, basically him expressing how much you know he loves me and how um, how much our friendship means. And then hours later, um, panicking, not getting through to him, everyone's like getting concerned. Some of us got a phone call from the police officer letting us know 
what had happened and how we were in his last call log and getting any information that they can obtain. So that was the first instance that really shook my core. The second instance was post-college, not realizing I was in an episode, a bad episode of depression, which led to me being in a physically abusive, mutually physically abusive relationship. And that's when I was first taught the terms of like what depression and anxiety actually looks like and what that looks like within my own life. Um, and then from there, you know, trying to heal from that and healing from it on my own and it still wasn't working, having a close friend who was a therapist and just the candid conversations we had with her, it made me realize I'm ready to take that step. And I think that step is therapy. And I purposely looked for a black female therapist because I didn't want to explain to anybody what it means like to grow up in a Caribbean household, what it means like when I say Becky got me effed up at work today. I didn't want to go through any of that. And it's definitely been the best decision that I've made for my entire life. And I truly believe that it changed and saved my life. Wow, that is, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it, it's so crazy that you can just have different moments in life that pushes you closer to being aware of like your own mental health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just something that we, especially if you didn't grow up having a safe space for you to explore that Mm -hmm. it almost becomes like a traumatic situation when you do experience what experience it for Mm -hmm. the first time but then it's just like man I'm happy that we're able to experience these things now because unlike before when we didn't probably have a lot of people to turn to now we have this whole new generation that's going to be able to come to us about like hey I'm having anxiety or you know, I don't feel good about myself or I feel, I don't feel like, I feel like giving up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we all go through that at some points. And if you can't tell anybody that, I think it gets even worse, especially during a pandemic where, you know, a lot of people are with their families, right. They may have moved to a different state. They may be by themselves and they may feel like giving up right now. Um, Kat, I know that you mentioned that you kind of lost your best friend a few, you know, years ago. When someone feels that way, what do you, what do you think is some good signs for us to be aware of when it relates to our friends? Do you think that there's anything that we can do to kind of prevent those things from happening? To answer that is a little um, weird to say to prevent that is heavy because you don't want to carry the weight of guilt. That's one thing as like a friend that you never want to carry a parent, a child, a lover is that guilt if someone does decide to take their life, unfortunately. For the other flip side of that, when you talk about prevention, it's what you have basically mentioned, safe space, like always thinking of, can you provide a safe space for someone to be able to turn to you when they're feeling any type of way, no matter what that way is, sad, mad, confused, like they just know they have a safe space with someone to be able to bear out, no judgment, be heard, actively listen, have someone that's checking in on them, have someone that's showing them love and not pressuring them or guilting them or 
someone telling them like, bro, you need help or you need this, you need that, like with that tone to it, it's just alleviating all of that and providing that outlet for them. And sometimes if you can like even pick up on the signs and maybe you're going through something at that moment, but you just know something's not right or something's not sitting right within your friend, like just making sure you take that time and grace just to show up because you just never know, like that person really just need an ear at that moment, really need a hug at that moment. And you just want to be sure that you can place yourself there if you have that care for someone. Mm -hmm. And we kind of talked about the stigmas of mental health in the Black communities, right? Things that our parents or our aunts or our uncles, just different family members may have said during that time. But how does your platform break those stigmas? Like, Maxie, you went from not being exposed to mental health at all to now being, you know, an expert in that field, being an educator in that field. So with your platform, now that you have this education behind it, this expertise behind it, how are you hoping to break those stigmas when it relates to mental health? Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, um, kind of the education piece is the most important for me right now, just because even with, like, coming in contact with friends or kind of younger, like, cousins or people that may look at me um, as having more experience, whether it is through the title or just my age, um, I think what I try to do most is just educating because people, as you guys probably both know and come in contact with yourself are still kind of under in the dark in the sense of examining um, mental health and realizing that it is a thing, honestly, to put it that way. Um, but it's just breaking, I think, as you mentioned, like the generational curses in the sense of um, allowing people to feel safe and examine their feelings and kind of get help as they need it, especially for the youth. Um, but it is a lot of, I was just kind of looking back over some things like the socioeconomic challenges put us as African-Americans or Black people um, at a higher risk for poor mental health. And we don't always, in most cases, reach out, especially if we don't know that what we're experiencing is that like, for example, when we lose friends and people kind of get held up with feelings of sadness, even depression, like a lot of us wouldn't or that are not as educated in the mental health wouldn't recognize that as grief and all the stages and feelings that come with that. So I think just being essentially a voice since it's like wisdom is to be shared. So when you kind of know better, you do better. And then I just like to really just get that out there as much as I can, um, especially when people will just even my friends or line sisters, whatever, will talk to me about stuff um, and just kind of look at it from a different perspective and encourage them to seek help and not to go through everything alone um, and to get a professional. Because um, at the end of the day, that is a very something I value as well is going to therapy. Um, but just even acknowledging the fact that we do have these emotions and feelings and get kind of getting affected by things whether it's in our environment family past traumas all that um it's kind of the biggest piece for me at this point I do want to like kind of highlight something that you said there is you know promoting people to get professional help and I have this question later on but I think that it's it needs to be clear that, you know, when you are going through your mental health journey, it's important to unload on the right individual. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree, agree with that in so many ways. Um, and I was going to mention that a little bit later, too, because even with friends, like you have to realize, you know how they say it's different people or different friends for different things. Like you can yep. have this friend for the bar or for the mall, but then you got this friend for the family stuff. Like just mm-hmm. that's very important, too. But also on the other side of that, think seeking a professional because friends, you know, they can be there and be a listening ear. But as sometimes they may I hate to say it, but they may not have your best interest at heart and of course they're not a professional so you can't even expect them to give you certain things that a professional would in a unbiased way you know mm-hmm. a way that is um something that not necessarily that they would want you to do but seek like thinking of what necessarily is best for you it's just a lot that comes with it um but I definitely agree with that for sure it's so important and then you also don't want to ruin those relationships because yep. people can have their own opinion about something and say you don't do it or say you didn't leave him or say you didn't mm-hmm. stop being friends with her, then they can look at you a different way. And you don't want to ruin that relationship based on something that they didn't even need to be knowing anyway. Girl. <laughs> and it's like, it's like almost like, blind. Right. And it's like mm-hmm. it's almost, I think that, you know, I'm, I've just started therapy. It's the best decision that I've probably one of the best decisions that I definitely ever made in yes. my life. And it's almost like as a person, you can't be selfish either because right. hey, people go through their own things on top of that. Mm-hmm. And you can't unload everything on one person. Mm-hmm. What do you um, think about that cat? Um, I 100% agree with that. And it took me a while to get to a place where I had to be vocal with some of my dear friends. Uh, Some of them that also like, some friends move away, you meet friends in college, you don't live in the same state, you don't see them every day. I've had to request Mm -hmm. them, hey, can you, before you unload on me, can you just ask where I'm at mentally for that day? Because the way that my anxiety works, I don't speak on it all the time but I'm in an anxious state and I open a text message and it's a paragraph about what you're going through. And it might trigger me in a negative way because of what I'm going through. And then I'm not going to be able to give you the sound advice that you're coming and trusting me with, because I just feel Mm -hmm. triggered and I don't feel like you gave me grace before you came here. And that took Mm -hmm. through therapy to learn that. And it also comes from, and I'm pretty sure the both of you are going to feel the same way too, being that strong friend, but also in being that strong friend, what, is the strong friend's typical response to, hey, how are you doing? I'm good, because we never say we're not good because we're seen and deemed as the strong friend. So then I realized yeah. I got to be getting more honest. If people are coming here and I'm telling them I'm good and then they're giving me stuff and now like my anxiety is flailing, I have to say, hey, I'm not good right now. I receive your message. Give me some time. I'll be back for you tomorrow because what I'm doing is I'm not ignoring mm-hmm. you. I'm acknowledging you. So I'm here but I'm asking you to give me a second and then I'll be able to be your quote unquote strong friend once I get through my episode, my period, no matter what it is. And I'm learning to be quicker with that response as well because of the fact of having that ignorance, having that sharpness, like these are all negative traits of mine that I needed to work through to be able to be present and hold these friendships, but show that I'm not this person that, or I am this person that you guys think I am, but I also, am still the same person as you and I feel I don't share all my feels but I feel and when I'm feeling I need to feel alone before I can be there for you 
Mm-hmm. And that. that is that it's so hard to do that though, y'all. Like <laughs> it's hard to be like, hey, I love you, but I just can't talk right now. Or hey, mm-hmm. I probably had a hard day today. But right now, I just mentally cannot take on anything else. And depending on what type of relationship you have with that other person and where they are with their own mental journey, it could also be hard for them to receive that message. Right. That is very true, especially when they are the one that always comes to you for those things and say if you suddenly get these boundaries they're like oh what the heck like are we no longer (laughs) friends or you know like how Mm -hmm. dare you so it's definitely harder when once that hasn't been established on the front end um but it's definitely I, i think that mental health is uh in a good way a selfish journey um because at the end of the day it's like you do those things but it's for the betterment of yourself because mm-hmm. that's just kind of what has to be done um but if if there are true friends and they really do love you they will understand that for you and still in most cases I would hope um and still be able to be there um and willing to receive you once you are ready at that point so but it's definitely something that you do that takes a lot of courage and strength to even have that conversation with somebody especially when you know they're going through something but you're acknowledging that I need my time too mm-hmm. Kat what about you um you have an entire platform for black men right and we're right. here we are three black women talking about mm-hmm. mental health and awareness we just talked about how it's important to set boundaries um mm-hmm. it's just I think that from the outside looking in, it's really interesting to look at your platform because I think about how men are just um, organically, right? I think that a lot of men can easily dump their mental health on their significant others. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm testing the waters here. But I think that that's just like a natural thing. And then you have this entire platform where you're talking about mental health and you have these guest speakers. How does your platform break those stigmas? And I guess we're talking about peace and protecting our peace as we're going through our individual journeys. Mm-hmm. How Do you have any insights on how Black women or women can support Black men but also protect their peace. I know that's a really loaded question. I'm just trying to take the dots here. So I guess you can answer whatever one first that you want to go ahead and answer. Um, okay, I'll try to answer as best as I observe that question. Um, <laughs> I might have to be like, oh, break, uh, remind me again. Uh, so for the platform, <laughs> the reason why I did it as a video platform is to show the levels of vulnerability from a black man to a black woman. And some of these men know me briefly, don't know me at all, or are a close friend of mine. So you're seeing different levels of relationships between me and these men, but you see a consistent trend. It's comfortable, it's open, it's honest, it's vulnerable. And it was done strategically to show that like, we can do this as black women and as black men. And by society, Black women and Black men are constantly put against each other. Why? To hold the Black community and the Black culture down. But what we need to be more mindful of is 
the black man and the black woman need to heal and they need to heal separately and they need to heal together. So that's why I did it as a visual aspect to be that first step to have that open dialogue of what healing and what those traumatic experiences look and sound like and how as an ally, a black woman being an ally, and that's sort of the um, role that I'm trying to show as black women we can be, being an ally to get them the help. We keep preaching like, our men need this, our men need that, men are this, men are that. We know that, but how are we assuming that role to help guide them there? Granted, we can't save everybody and that's something I had to painfully learn. But if we can start changing certain aspects within ourselves, we can start having those open dialogues and communication. And what that does look like is I'm, I'm not your rock, so to speak. I know that sounds weird, but I'm not your, um, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, I want to be your safe space, but I'm not like your rock. Like you can't just unload on me and not consider me. And that's also what I'm trying to show because it's a vicious cycle of the battered woman. You're unloading, you're reacting, and I'm like your punching bag, so to speak, but you're not really getting to the root of it. You're not allowing me to dive into the root of it. We're not given the opportunity to have this conversation that we need to have. I'm not understanding your triggers. I'm not understanding your PTSD. I'm not understanding your traumas. So how am I supposed to show up for you if I can't understand you? And what that also looks like is think of how we're, our upbringings are. If someone is used to their childhood and they're seeing their parents constantly just yelling, and then I start an argument with you, and the argument starts with me coming in the house, you never take the trash out. You don't care about nothing. Now you're in defense mode. Now we're arguing about something, and now it's going far left when we could have handled the situation differently. And that's what role we both have to play is paying attention and actively listening and learning our partners to be able to be like, okay, when I do this, she reacts this way. Where is that coming from? And this is a trend. Mm -hmm. How can I open that dialogue to show that like, I'm removing myself to give you the opportunity to speak so I can learn. And then from learning, we'll be able to grow because now we're at a level of understanding. Um, I'm not too sure if that answers all your questions because I can't fully it remember. Did. You just a, <laughs> a plus. That was like an A plus there. Yes. Uh, I love that. What do you and Maxi, you have it. I'm sorry. I keep saying Maxi, guys, because that's it's her fine. nickname. Uh, <laughs> the whole world now is probably going to know. <laughs> I don't know the last time I called you Taylor. So I'm my apologies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? You haven't um, heard about Kat's platform before you guys kind of been introduced to each other, but from your mental health journey and what you're focusing on and your role to what she's focusing on, what, I guess, thoughts do you have centered around the fact that she was mentioning, like, man, in order for us to... I guess, be whole as a community, the Black men and the Black woman, we both need to heal separately. That spoke to me. 
Yes, no, same. I love that. Um, when you sent me her page to take a look, I was just like, wow, this is really great. Um, so kudos to you for that platform and using it in, in such a way um, to to do that. I really was shocked by um, all of that. So, And I definitely agree with it as well. Um, that, that never even, like, that's just amazing on so many levels just to acknowledge that um, just because I think it is a lot harder Man, I'm not comparing the black man versus the black woman, but I do know um, the like how even as growing up as a little girl and them saying, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. I know I've just seen with men how they really, quote unquote, shouldn't feel that way because you are a man. It's not OK to cry. You're supposed to be this strong figure um, and ideally holding all your emotions because you got to be tough and just all that. And that kind of goes back to the stigmas as we were discussing um, just how this has been an issue in, in our communities forever, more so, I would think, than um, others. But that is just really like the stigmas that we are fighting to break. And I think platforms like CATS is a great thing that is helping us um, kind of get over that hump. And I'm just like, just praying. That's like one of my prayers is that it kind of continues um, and we don't keep, it's like hurt people hurt people. And especially mm-hmm. with families like as we acknowledge our traumas and as we get into therapy hopefully we know we can um kind of remember those feelings we had when we were younger and not treat our children that way and not pass on that trauma um but I do definitely agree with healing separately it's like in couples counseling also they do recommend you have your own therapist Mm -hmm. um just because the relationship is a separate entity than yourself as you already know and then it's like when you throw in relationships it's a whole nother battle like you're not trying to work together whether it's to raise kids or just even have a successful marriage if that's what you wish um so I definitely agree with that on so many terms I think that is a good it's good to kind of work on yourself and know your traumas and know your triggers all that before even wanting to get into somebody else's space because that's very important it's like how do you feel if they're bringing up something and then you're like wow that really affects me but you can't pinpoint what that is and now y'all are arguing and then just kind of spirals down from there so I agree with that wholeheartedly is so very important that's amazing I'm 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 happy to know (laughs) y'all yes ma'am and thanks for connecting us I gotta connect with Taylor offline right yes 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 absolutely that's what this is about you guys both know me and I love I think I'm just a really lucky person you I just are have amazing people in my life and I'm so thankful for each and every one of you because this journey is not I mean and we talk about it a lot as like oh you're on your own journey mm. but I sometimes mm. don't feel that way I feel like I'm on my own journey yes but I still have I still have the resources. I still have the tools. I still have the people that I know are on their own journey as well. And if Mm -hmm. I look to the left of me or the right of me, I still feel like I'm not alone because people are still going through the same things I am. Yes. And different ways. So I want to, based on what I just said, it kind of goes into like my next conversation of being a participant in your process. I think that you know, we may start or kind of start thinking about mental health and we go on Instagram and people are connecting mental health with like facials, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it. Like I love a good self-care um, Sunday. I love a good reset, right? Quick plug. 
But <laughs> um, also, I know that when you dedicate, like, I'm going to go through this mental health journey, I'm going to understand myself more, you can really get to some heavy places in your life. I'll give my yeah. testimony. The first time that I went to therapy, I was talking to my therapist, and I'm like 28 right now. How am I 28 and I still have like daddy issues? I thought that was dead until mm-hmm. I realized a lot of things that happen in my life are are still connected with some of the things that I lacked growing up. So talking about kind of being a participant in your process when you're going through your journey, do you guys have any encouraging words to share with people that it's okay to kind of be face to face with some of those traumas that you probably have to deal with? Yeah. I mean, so it's to, to the initial question of what is it like? It is, ugly like I I don't think I've known or spoken to anybody that has had just a good and smooth sailing kind of process with their therapy journey Um, and that's not to be discouraging at all because most things in life get worse before they get better and anything that's worth having is like worth working for like you know all those cliche phrases Um, but it's definitely true like it does get worse before it gets better because a lot of things we not even um, on purpose, but can hide deep, deep down, like traumatic experiences, things that were childhood traumas that we may not have even realized were affecting us until we got older or until it came up in a different aspect that we can't link. And that's the, the point of having a professional to kind of peek get that out of you in the sense of pinpointing the pieces together because you know in your own mind you can't always kind of connect the dots but the professional is there to kind of pull that out and to acknowledge and help you work through that in a safe environment um but personally it was rough I didn't start until about two years ago and I always thought that I was fine too I'm like what like especially as I mentioned like my just growing up and it wasn't a thing for me so I'm like okay I'll just go try it like just to see like what it's about <laughs> like you know by me it might be nice to talk to somebody so let's see but it was like <laughs> so it was hard it was eye-opening like to see like I can relate to the daddy issues things too like my parents got divorced when I was eight years old but I'm like that was I was eight years old like what the heck I'm over that like Mm -hmm. girl he left so move on like you know I wholeheartedly felt that I was fine like I might have cried about it here and there but I'm like okay this has been my reality for 20 years or so so you know what am I well why would I be worked up about it but therapy will get some stuff out of you that you did not know was even there and that's the scary part (laughs) But it's good. I, I like that in a sense of because I was able to connect that a lot of issues that I had in relationships with men came from the insecurities of my father leaving, still having that memory of when he said that, you know, I'm leaving and they're getting divorced and all that. And I was looking for um, certain things, specific things in my partners of relationships that kind of were similar to him. But there was also the fear of what if they leave one day? Like, what if they're Mm -hmm. like, I'm done? And then that brought so much insecurity with like not wanting like them, my like boyfriends like to go out and party or like, what if you meet somebody else? And then one day it's like, you done, like just all that. But I could not on my own piece that 
or kind of dedicate that to a symptom of the divorce and not working through that trauma before. So it's something that you have to work for because the therapist, I think there's a misconception that they will do all the work and it's like, they're like a fortune teller or for those that don't know, they're like, they're just going to tell you what to do or like, this is how you should do things. And that's not what it is at all. Um, It's definitely, it's a, it's a two way street, but you are supposed to pull more of the work um, or it won't work. So I think that it is definitely worth it for those if you are ever interested or just kind of like on the fence, I would say do it, especially if you have desires to have successful relationships with everybody else, because this is not just for um, like non-platonic relationships, like husband, marriage, it's also for work, like on your job, you need to know what triggers you in the sense of how your boss treats you or why you get Mm -hmm. upset when this lady says something like this to you. Like it's, it's, for it's a whole life experience. It's not just related to yourself and what you've gone through, but also what affects you and how you look at your future. Cause it's a lot. It's so much like we have a conversation just on that. Um, but it's, it's a journey, but it will break you down before building you up. I would say, um, and the biggest part for me, I like, if you can relate to being like a semi perfectionist or somebody that is like always working toward a goal, like I'm not saying therapy, therapy is not necessarily that but it's a destination I'm sorry it's a mm-hmm. journey not a destination in the sense of okay I'm healed see ya like it's like there's always right. gonna be stuff that comes back up something new that you'll learn about yourself or something that you might feel like okay well now I need to work through this even though I just got through that but here's this thing like it's a constant journey and it's just not something that you'll reach and be like oh thank you lord like it's just not that and I think some people do I thought that at first I'm like okay let me do 10 sessions (laughs) right I'm like let me do 10 sessions at most and then girl I'll be done I'll be out of here but it's like (laughs) it's stuff that always comes up but that's what's life you can never stop learning you can never stop kind of growing and progressing so that's kind of a key piece that like I always like to mention also because people will think okay well that's it and it's like here's something else out the bag so (laughs) (laughs) so that's definitely kind of a big thing there what about you Pat so I hope and I was like I hope she goes first because especially since she's stepping into this space I don't think we're gonna drop (laughs) for me to like ride her coattail like yep 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 what she said check mark all that compliment um what she was just saying it's yo therapy is uncomfortable as hell it's so uncomfortable yes it's like and I tell her every time like I'm so grateful for the relationship I have with my therapist and one thing I do want to highlight is if you don't feel that connection to your therapist if you don't feel that you can be open if you don't feel you're not getting stuff out of it it is literally a relationship find the one that fits you I've been blessed to find it and the first one, but I know some friends who are like, I don't really like this one. Okay, then find a different one. Like, it's not a, this person is going to be your end-all be-all. So that was just one point I wanted to make. But with that, being that I have that relationship with my therapist, um, she reads me to filth. She snatches my edges. Sometimes afterwards, <laughs> I have to reflect so hard that it's like, yo, I can't talk to nobody. I can't go out. Like, I typically like to save her for the later part of my day because I'll just be sitting there like, what the hell did she just drop on me? Um, but with yeah. that, she even says it. So back to Taylor's point, she even tells me, like, I can't tell you what to do. And her saying that, like, sometimes I do bring things up, like, hoping she'll be like, now, girl. But she can't. 
But then what right. it do is it makes me sit there and be like, now she ain't tell me what to do, but something that she said is making me think that maybe this is the way that she wants me to go. And we even have a joke, like I'll come into her and I'll be like, you're not going to be happy about this. But because <laughs> like, I already know, like she's about to read me out, but she even appreciates that I do that because now I'm practicing mm-hmm. self-aware off of what we've been unpacking together. And with that, you know, it's very popular to, ugh, I, that was a disgusting way to explain it. It's very common to have more daddy issues within our culture. Um, I don't have father issues. I have mommy issues. And it's not to say that my mother abandoned me, but my mother was born in the West Indies. She had a figure-ish out for her own here. She had her own, like, a strange relationship with her mother. And that trickled down into me and her. And one of the first things I said Mm -hmm. in therapy to my therapist is, I don't understand why I am the way I am. I don't have daddy issues. It took us two years, two years to realize my vulnerability issues are coming from my mother. And that was something I needed to work on. And then that was something I needed to take home to my mother where we had to have conversations, mediators, and basically testing grounds to give that relationship she never had with her mother to have now with us. So those are some of the connections that you can like reflect on within therapy and why it's so important. And with throughout my whole journey, I've been able to like learn the reason why I do things that I've been doing for years and thinking that like, like you had mentioned, I cried about it, I'm over it. No, we're holding on to hurt and we're holding on to it differently. And what therapy does is it helps you unpack, unload, reflect, and connect. And I think that's what's super important for many people who are nervous about that first step. But if you're noticing trends within your life, and like you said, it's affecting your work, it's affecting your relationship, you want these things, but you keep running into the same wall, it's that time to take that first step and be like, where do I need to begin? Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you both for sharing that. I think that you guys both gave people insights on it's okay to uncover some of those hard situations, but the reward of it is always going to be more amazing than the hard work that you put in of getting to the root of the cause. Agreed. Um, so before we kind of conclude, right, I would hate to leave the conversation without adding a little bit of sauce to it <laughs> and like kind of picking up the speed because we talked about a lot here, talked about a lot of not necessarily heavy, but impactful things. Yeah. Um. So with that being said, on an everyday basis, what are some of the things that you guys are doing to maintain your mental health? Um, in a perfect world, I'll share mine. This is what I said in a perfect world because I'm not a master at this yet. Um, I would be working out in the morning, getting my headspace right, being mindful of my surroundings. I would be meditating, um, praying, worshiping, making sure that I'm in alignment and I'm ready for the world, right? Because the world be ready for mm. you. Oh, yeah. So that I'm ready for the world. Um, I would, you know, possibly be drinking coffee, getting this caffeine fixed, um, 
you know, maybe writing down a list of things that I wanted to tackle because I am a perfectionist and I'm a checklist type of person. So having that guideline is really important, important for me. And then mostly what's mostly important that I know I need to do to add on another step of being mindful and mentally aware is before I go to sleep, those last 30 minutes are just for me. Rather it's me reflecting or journaling or just sitting down, not doing anything. I find my best days are days when I start with myself and when I end with myself. I love that. What about you? I love that. Uh, Yeah. Oh, Taylor, you want to go first? I was like, I this is awkward. Oh, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, all that you said was so good. I think it is very particular to yourself, um, and that is such an important part of it because mine won't look the same as yours or Cass or the person next door. Um, so that, for me, it is um, essentially like not giving everybody access to my piece is what I've been learning. And that goes with the boundaries that we talked about earlier, specifically like my family or my mom rather, will like try to call and say, oh, I got this, like about my brother or like just whatever. But that I I found that like I would get off the phone and just be kind of like beat up about the sense, like, you know, you don't want to always hear bad news or always have somebody that's just kind of just telling negative things, whether it's about you or not, it still kind of had an effect on me. So it's like really focusing on what things made me feel, whether it was sad or just kind of down, that was what helped me. Um, And part of that was getting off social media. Like social media breaks Mm -hmm. are a thing. Like we're so connected, especially in this quarantine or stay at home order, whatever you kind of want to call it. We're so, our phones are our primary form of communication for the most part right now while we have to be at home, especially if you don't have um, like a roommate or a boyfriend or whoever that lives with you, like you're kind of just on your phone. So I had to check myself. I'm like, I'm spending, because you know, the iPhones, they'll call you out. Like they will tell you mm-hmm. your activity and all that. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm on my phone for 10 hours. Like what? <laughs> so like that was really the wake up call for me. But I also found it was just getting annoying. I'm like, at first, all this, I was checking the death numbers and the mm-hmm. cases of COVID-19 and all that. I'm like, what am I doing with myself? Because that was what brought the anxiety and then the fear of, okay, what if I get it? What if I die? What if my loved ones contracted? All that. So that was the biggest part was just unplugging. Like you mentioned also, I like that 30 minutes mm-hmm. idea before you go to sleep just to dedicate it to yourself. I really enjoy that. Um, and then just establishing or re kind of checking in on your self-care plan like that is just ideal when dealing with things like this because you have to do regular check-ins with yourself how are you feeling what is affecting you how can you you know get a like an upbeat moment whether that's like taking a walk or doing some kind of workout um for me it's reading or watching Netflix like that's something that I enjoy Mm -hmm. just like a guilty pleasure like I will watch Netflix um, or just reading a book. I'm spiritual as well. So praying that is a good anxiety easier for me um, and definitely helps with my peace. But I think the biggest thing is the boundaries, whether that is just like letting go of your phone for social media, take a break. Um, and then just with family, mom, I can't talk right now. Like just whatever it is, that's <laughs> been kind of the biggest thing to protect mine at this moment. 
my everyday looks different based on the day and based on myself but that's me checking in with myself um, I definitely love your idea again with the whole start and end my day with me. That's something I think I'm probably going to start adopting. Uh, boundaries are super big and learning those boundaries. And when you said the thing with the mom, girl, listen, because there's some days I was like, I knew I should have answered that phone call. Like, now we at odds. I wasn't ready for that today. I felt the wavelength. Like, it wasn't today. Um, but learning those boundaries myself mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. honest with myself depending on the day if I feel super engaged today and people want to talk I'll be there I'll talk I'll do this if I don't feel it okay then I need to disconnect and that's also giving myself grace and being kinder to myself if I have a to-do list and I feel it in my bones I want to be hella productive today well guess what I'm going to be cracked up phones on D&D and I'm going to be productive Maybe my anxiety is flailing today and I can't get it under control. Well, that means I'm going to spark up and I'm going to watch TV until like I feel calm again and at peace and talk myself out of feeling guilty for spending the day binge watching, knowing that I have a to-do list, removing my own pressures on myself because what COVID-19 is showing is what, like, what am I rushing for? What am I always living in this world of chaos for? You're creating this constant state of anxiety within yourself and it's making you uncomfortable and unhappy. So start taking the time to do things that are literally making you feel happy and like go at a slower pace, enjoy these moments. Um, For me, a major outlet for my depression is working out and working out in a sense where it feels like a workout community, not just doing a task to do the task. And it reflects with my weight loss. Now, the two times I've been at my best body figure for my um, confidence I've realized the trend. My mental state wasn't there. And I was using this as a way to like get those endorphins and release. So in doing those two things, my body is responding to it because now I'm listening to my body. Like my mind isn't okay. Do something to help alleviate whatever is going on in your mind and find that outlet. And then your body will start responding to it. So it's more me checking in with myself mentally spiritually and physically for my self-care routine and what that looks like per day. I love that. Yes, this, man, the everyday check-ins with your mental health, um, you guys both listed some really good information for people to utilize and some techniques. Um, I'll definitely make sure that the people that are hearing this are able to see it visually as well. So I'll gather that information. Um, but we're about to conclude with this amazing episode. Um, reset, mental health. What's one last thing that you want the audience to know about mental health? And maybe a Twitter style just reminder for them to leave with if they don't leave with anything else. um, It's hard to narrow it down to one thing. I had a few things, but I think the most important is probably how you feel is important um, and that there are people that do want to help you. I think a lot of us have felt rejected in one way or another Mm -hmm. in the past about our feelings, whether it was from um, a lover or a parent or even a friend, and that hurts and that makes you not want to share not want to even feel those things. Um, So I think that is kind of the biggest piece 
to acknowledge. Um, a lot of us will just brush off our emotions. And as Kat said, just actually listening and sitting in with how you feel and knowing that um, is a big part of it so that you can seek the right help or do whatever self-care looks like to make you happy. Because um, I think the rejection, that's something we've all faced, but you are important. How you feel is important. The way you talk to yourself is important. Just all of that is kind of my biggest like mantra uh, this far. Um, so that's something that I really hone in with and would love for everybody to realize. Well, I love that. That that was deep for me. Like that hit home for me too. Um, <laughs> back to my old edges, girl. You ready? Um, I right. <laughs> I think for me, and it's and I say this every time that I say this, but I do truly think it's important, and it does sound like cliche and like simple. The be kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself is super important. Um, as I mentioned with like COVID-19, my therapist was very concerned about my anxiety level because I have an anxiety disorder. And I had mentioned to her like, yo, I haven't had an episode. And then in reflecting on that, it made me realize you haven't had an episode because you're so used to living in a constant state of chaos that this is the first time you were giving yourself the break that you so desperately needed and deserved. And it, again, it's making me realize when we come out of this, I don't want to step back into that. And being kinder to yourself also means if you've been working out all weekend, you have your body goals and you're out with your friends and you want to have a cheeseburger, have the damn cheeseburger and stop counting them damn calories. Like just enjoy yourself. Oh yeah. If you want to binge watch, you want to start saying no to people because you overextend yourself to people and all it's doing is burning you out. Say no. If they care for you, they'll understand, like maybe don't say no harshly, but be able to draw those lines for yourself. As I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. your mental journey is selfish, but it's okay to be selfish if it's the betterment of you. And we need to adopt that mind state a little bit more instead of always trying to overplease because all you're doing is disservicing yourself. Yes. I love that. Yes, ma'am. And, you know, my last pointer for everyone is to do this for you do this for you you're your biggest investment you're the most important thing in this world and you can't help you can't take care of anybody you can't be there for anybody if you're not there for yourself so during this season when everything has finally slowed down Just take this time to love on you. Take this time to learn about you. And it's okay. Don't let anybody or anything rush you. Nothing is going anywhere. Don't let nobody rush you and just take care of yourself. So thank you guys so much for participating in this podcast with me as we bring awareness to mental health awareness. Um, I'll make sure to put all of Taylor's information and Catherine's information in the bio so that you guys can follow them. They have some amazing platforms. And I don't know, Taylor, if you're taking on any clients, but you guys know she is a therapist. So if you have any um, questions for her on the expertise side of things, um, I'm sure she wouldn't mind for you to reach out. So thank you guys for joining us. Have a good one. Bye.